Hello and welcome to the No Hesitations podcast. We are your co-hosts, Nick Spinelli, that's me, and Kristen Marvin with Solutions by Kristen. We talk about all things leadership, successes, challenges, and every topic in between with the goal of helping you, yes, you, to become a better leader. So join the conversation each week wherever you find your podcast because there's no time like the present to listen in and level up. Folks, this is one of our very first episodes, and in it, I interview Kristen about her story, her background, her journey through the hospitality industry, and what she is hoping to accomplish with no hesitations. So you'll hear more from her right after the jump. Enjoy. Why are we interviewing each other? It's a great Mm -hmm. question. I think it's important for us to let people know who we are, what this podcast is all about, where our passions lie the message that we're trying to get across. And I think by us recording this episode, we're helping each other understand um, where we want to go. And I think it's important to understand, have people understand where we want to go, but also understand where we've come from. So yeah, what journey we're on together. Yes. What was two separate things now becoming one thing, which is pretty exciting. So (laughs) as a reminder here in part one, we're going to hear from Kristen about her background and her path. And then in part two, we are going to dig into my background. Kristen's going to interview me. Uh, That will be a separate episode that will drop after this one. So stay tuned for that. Um, Any other thoughts before we jump in and start talking about you? No, I'm excited um, to start this journey with you. And thank you for interviewing me. And I can't wait to turn the table and interview you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, honestly, for everyone listening out there, this is actually the first time that I will have heard Kristen's full story, quote unquote, start to finish. Uh, I've got bits and pieces at different points and different times, but I was snooping on her notes that she wrote before we started recording. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like there's, you'll hear about all of that. She's going to tell you about that in a minute. Um, All right, here's your, here's one to get you started. How did you get started in the hospitality industry? So I started cooking when I was 15. After school, I decided to get a job at my favorite Mexican restaurant. I'm from a small town in Missouri called St. Joseph, which is about an hour north of Kansas City. Wow. Uh, our favorite Mexican restaurant was called is called Barbosa's. It's still in existence today. It's a beautiful family-owned spot. Highly recommend it if you're ever passing through St. Joe on your way to somewhere. Um, I yeah, like I said, I started cooking after school, just flipping enchiladas. I fell in love with it. Fell in love with the hustle and the bustle, and um, the people that work there. And and I was already in love with the food. So that was a huge perk. From there, I, you know, went to school and ended up um, graduating from high school and moving to Colorado. And I got a job. Actually, my mom called me and said, I've just moved. She just moved to Colorado Springs. She called and said, Oh, my God, I found this amazing restaurant. You have to come here. As soon as you move here, and you have to get a job. And it was Outback Steakhouse. And (laughs) Outback Steakhouse was like the place to work. You know, it was when TGI Fridays was big. The flair was big, right? Like we would wear pins all over our shirts. The uniforms were like hot pink and hot purple. And you got to wear short shorts. I remember as a kid going to Outback for the first time. So I grew up in Cleveland, right? I remember going when we got one, when I was about 10. Mm -hmm. And I heard the name and I was like, 
wow, like Australia, like, like any 10 year old, it just sounded different to me. Right. And I remember when we went and got steaks, I was so confused because I, I looked at my dad and I was like, but we could get these anywhere. Like what, what's so special about Outback? I, I totally missed the point. Um, so I, I didn't get it, uh, yeah. but it sounds like you did. Well, a lot of people did, and it's uh, they're obviously still around today. And it was it was such a cool place to work. Um, you know, I'm an introvert, and so I have always been really, really shy. And so I, I love. I think that's why I loved cooking too. I could just be kind of in my zone, in my station. But Outback is where I learned how to serve, and I learned how to bartend. My first night learning how to bartend, uh, our Outback was the busiest one in the state. It was located in Colorado Springs, next to the World Arena, and there was a Matchbox. I know I'm dating myself here, but there was a Matchbox 20 concert <laughs> next door and they stuck me in the well and I just got the shit kicked out of me all night long. I was completely in the weeds making, um, you know, just pouring frozen drinks and sides of peach schnapps and just all this crazy stuff. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I've never worked that hard. I've never been in the weeds that hard before. See, that's um, the surprise when you're like, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me, but I came back for more. I still came back to work the next day. And I said, I actually think I want to do this. That's amazing. It's where that rush comes from, you know, in the hospitality industry, people love it. it the You know, the shifts are great. They fly by, you're really busy and you make great money, you know, and, and you walk out and then, everybody would go out for drinks after work together and they truly liked hanging out with each other and being around each other. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I want to do this for the rest of my life. So, so what, anyway, what time do you, what time do you get out? Like if you're going out after work, is that like, I'm, I'm saying this in jest, is that like four or five in the morning at that point? Like when do you finally? Well, you know... that's, that, I think that's, those are conversations for other podcast episodes depending on what kind of extracurricular activities but it depends on what time the restaurant closes it usually takes an hour or two to close the restaurant down and then the bars in colorado springs were open till two so okay all right yeah so after that you were still in bed by dawn that was my wondering well but you did you know outback was only open for dinner so you didn't have to go to work till two or three o'clock in the afternoon so you could sleep in i was in i was in college too so obviously i i had other things to do but so I did that for about a year and a half. And then I, I stumbled into a job fair about a mile up the road at a beautiful five-star, five-diamond resort called the Broadmoor. And I had no idea what five-star, five-diamond service meant. I applied. I interviewed with a wonderful um, Irish bartender who was over in Colorado on an exchange program. And he made the job sound incredible and was just so charismatic. And I just wanted to work with him. And they were remodeling. They just spent a million dollars remodeling their cigar lounge. They overlooked the lake. And uh, they, I, I could learn about, you know, they told me I could learn about um, cigars and scotch and, you know, all these beautiful things. So I started working there and fell in love with it. Just loved the clientele, loved learning about all the different, you know, spirits and cigars and service, which was great. And then I graduated from college and I could not find a job that paid anything uh, near what I was making as a cocktail server. So I went to the food and beverage director and I said, I love this industry. How do I do this for the rest of my life? And he said, you should get into our management training program. So I did that. And then I got really hungry and decided that I wanted to be a GM by the time I was 24. I thought when I graduated wow. from the management training program that 24. I had Yeah. I'm very ambitious. You know me. I do. So I graduated from the management training program and I thought I had all my shit figured out. <laughs> For anybody that knows me, they know that's care. That's like so typical of me. 
So I immediately got out of the program and went and applied for the GM spot at the cocktail lounge that I had been serving at. And they didn't hire me. They said, why don't you start as an AGM at the steakhouse downstairs? So I did. Three months later, the GM that they had put in position did not work out. And they brought me back upstairs to be the GM of the the cigar lounge. I had no idea what I was doing. I was too, I was very much like friends with the staff, hanging out with the staff, going what out do you mean? Work. You had your management, <laughs> you had your management training. You should know everything then. I, I don't think they taught you how to go from peer to boss overnight. And uh, when you're 24, um, you it's know. a jump. I mean, that's it's, a jump for anyone, but especially yeah. in your early twenties. Yeah, totally. So they, they saw that and um, they approached me, the food and beverage director approached me and said, Hey, we're opening a fine dining restaurant across the street in this new development. It, it's a big deal. They hadn't opened a new restaurant in a long time. And they said, we are hiring Jacques Lepin's son-in-law to be the chef. We're hiring a GM who used to work at Union Square Cafe in New York. And I was obsessed with Danny Meyer and his entire organization and they said it's it's going to be fine dining and i had no idea what that meant i was studying to be a sommelier and i wanted to learn more about wine and they said that they hired mixologist out of new york to design the beverage program and work with us for a year right and so for those of you who are listening mixology i thought this for the longest time i thought it was like some hipster term <laughs> it's not mixologist is actually like a job title people do that um kristen taught me that that that's <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, there there are people who serve wine and there's there are certified certified sommeliers, right? There are bartenders. Mm-hmm. Um there are mixologists, right? So just different certifications and ways to think about the job for sure. Um so anyway, I uh, I was 24 when I moved to that restaurant and I fell in love with every little detail and and thoughtfulness that we we put into every single thing we did, the dish, the staff, the communication, the training. Um, I learned every, every fundamental thing that I needed to learn during that time that has shaped my management and leadership style to this day, which is beautiful. I, uh, I really wanted a promotion in that, in that position or in that restaurant. I did not get it. And I uh, asked Tyler if we could, if there was an opportunity for us to transfer up to Denver, he was working with Southern Wine and Spirits at the time, and there was an opportunity. So we moved up there and I took a position as a general manager um, to open an Osteria, which was something that had not been a concept in Denver before in a very small, uh, little beautiful historical block right in the center of downtown Denver called Larimer Square. And I got hired on as the GM two weeks before opening. 50% of the staff was already hired. And I um, I had no idea what the concept was or what they meant when they said, when the owner said that they were we were going to have three different stations in the restaurant where food was going to be coming out. I just knew that I wanted to bring in as much fine dining service as possible and just have a blast with the staff. And okay, we, so at least at, yeah. at this stage of the game, you knew what fine dining was. At this, like, yeah. this is a serious question. You at least knew what fine dining was now, yeah. so you had yeah. that under your belt. Okay, yeah. this yeah. was a much larger restaurant than what I had worked in before, though. And lo- the, the location, the brand, the company that I worked for, the quality of the food, the team, everything was just really beautiful in that moment. This was two thousand seven, 
and we opened the doors and the place exploded. It was just a blast. And uh, one of the best teams I've ever worked for um, from a staffing perspective and and, am fortunate to work with a lot of those people. So anyway, I was with that company for five years. I got really hungry. I wanted to open a restaurant by the time I was 30. Um, I have that ambition again. There's that ambition, right? Grouping up. So I'd approached uh, the Bananos and asked if, you know, if I could grow with the company and if we could make a little bit of invest an investment and see where it would go. And uh, we did. We were able to invest in a concept called Lou's Food Bar, which was casual French. And in this restaurant group, you know, there were many, many different concepts speakeasy, Asian noodle bar, smokehouse. Um, fine dining French, fine dining Italian, casual French, casual Italian. So a lot of different spaces to have fun and play in. Lou's, unfortunately, was not what the neighborhood was looking for and really taught me a lot about um, how important sales are to business and how when sales are down, the only thing you talk about is sales. And I had not been in that position before, and that was really stressful. So anywho, a lot of good learning lessons there. But after five years working with that company, I decided to jump on with Snooze AM Eatery, and I had known the two brothers uh, that founded Snooze for a while and done some work in the community with them, and they were at a really special stage in their company. They had six locations and had been open for, I think, seven or eight years and were going to take the company national. I'd never grown one concept before and scaled it like that, and so I was with them for about seven years, and we grew from six to 48 locations which was just wow. incredible and just, yeah, very fun to go to different regions and just see lines of people wrapped around the building for opening day. It was just incredible. It was like being at a rock concert all the time. Um, and then I, so I left there after seven years and then during the pandemic went to, went back to a, a local concept called sweet cow ice cream, 150 flavors, all small batch made in house. Uh, delicious, the the most delicious ice cream I've ever had. Uh, they wanted to grow as well, and uh, and stay local within Colorado, which was an awesome opportunity. And then the pandemic hit, so <laughs> everything changed. A, that's a segue. Um, yeah, so you had this career. You're building it over time. You're taking these, you know, massive leaps in your personal professional development. And then COVID happened. Um, so in amongst all of that, right, why did you decide to become a restaurant coach and consultant? I think a lot of people that I talk to about the pandemic and about the industry have all said very similar things. The restaurant industry got rocked during the pandemic. Um, turnover has been an issue, but a lot of people decided to leave the industry because a lot of it just got, it got more challenging, right? The entire landscape changed. Um, I know that there were a lot of really unhappy people from the guest perspective that just didn't understand why so many rules had to change in the restaurant landscape. I was fortunate to work for a company that was just so adaptive and innovative. And we had incredible guests and incredible staff and we didn't have the hardships that a lot of other restaurants did of having to lay people off. You know, our team at Sweet Cow were high school and, and college age. And so a lot of them were willing to stay home and could stay home and, and let us give hours to people that really needed it. However, I think having to do so many things 
very quickly in a short amount of time that ne- necessarily weren't in line with the company that that was, you know, all these initiatives were coming down on us from the world, right? Because we had to do what we had to do. It was exhausting and it wasn't fun anymore. And I, like a lot of other people, felt incredibly burnt out and I needed a change and I had no idea what that change was. Um, I knew, you know, I know deep down in my heart that I love hospitality and I could not see myself completely getting out of the industry. But I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how to design that. And so a friend of mine said, I started working with a coach. You should talk to him. You're going to love him. And I was just a shell of who I was. My confidence was in the toilet. I was incredibly unhealthy. I was very much overweight. And I went to this coach and I just said, I need, I need some outside help, but I don't know what this looks like. And we had to really spend a lot of time tapping back into my values and my love for hospitality. And then I said to him, my life needs to change completely. I do want to design my lifestyle and then back my career into this. I don't want to work 60 or 70 or 80 hours a week anymore. This isn't sustainable for me. And I want to do something that I love. And I want to be back in my 24-year-old self where I was just excited about everything. So I started working with him and I think three or four sessions in, I had a huge moment of insight, which you often do in coaching, which is beautiful for everyone involved. And I realized that coaching was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It is the ultimate gift of hospitality when you can sit one-on-one with someone and customize an experience for them that is going to not only help them be more successful in their career, but make them the happiest that they've ever been in their entire life. Everybody deserves to live a fulfilled life. So I knew that I wanted to coach and I had to figure out how to get there. It was very much aligned with what I'd already been doing in the industry. It just helped me level up my coaching skills. And I knew that I wanted to support the industry. Um, You know, I've seen a huge lack of leadership development resources for hospitality leaders. And I really want to create customized programs that fit leader specific styles and needs. Um, I believe that we don't need more restaurants, we need better ones. And the industry has a terrible reputation for burnout and high turnover and poor work life balance. And I, yeah. And I really, and I know a lot of industries do, but I, you know, again, this is the one that I love and I really want to help leaders change their mindset and be able to prioritize themselves. So they feel really great about the work that they do every single day. Um, They've dedicated their life to serving others and they are really good at giving to other people, but they're not great at receiving. And so um, that's, you know, I want to help local restaurants, local restaurateurs, local managers um, thrive instead of just surviving every day. It's beautiful. I, I have so many follow-up questions, but <laughs> of course we, you do. We've had we've well, yeah, we've had this conversation. Each one of those will probably turn into an episode or episodes plural at some point. So I'm going to hold most of those back for now. Um, one thing I do want to ask you, just to kind of tie it all together, how does podcasting play into all of this for you? Because I know a lot of coaches who just do what they do right? They're not super high profile. They maybe don't have really a social media presence. What about this platform and this opportunity specifically really speaks to you in the context of what you were just describing, which is really working with people to improve their lives? Yeah, it's a great question. This is another way for for me to be able to offer value and content to leaders. 
you know, I, I am trying to grow this business, trying to, to create a lot of sustainable practices for myself and for other people. But I also want to really tap into how leaders in the industry learn. And a lot of them don't have the attention span to sit down and read something. And so, but some, some do. So there's, I've got the reading component with the blog and with the content on LinkedIn that I post every day. Um, I've got obviously the one-on-one coaching, which is just a beautiful way for people to slow down and be able to spend that one hour of dedicated time every other week to themselves. This is a completely different platform. You know, you and I talked a little bit early on about this. Like, I hope that this is something that people can listen to on their car on their way to work. And they're having a really good time, just relaxed and engaged in the conversation that they stay an extra minute or two before they they go in for their shift and want this to be a break for them. That is what sold me, actually, (laughs) because so you and I share a co-working space here downtown. It's called Forge at Roy Place. And there have been many a morning where I have walked to Forge. And in my instance, it's basketball podcasts. And, you know, there have been mornings where I have hung just around the corner behind one of those stone pillars because I'm like, oh, I've just got to finish like this last like 30 seconds. Like I've got to get this taken. And then I walk in and, you know, I go network and do whatever. Right. <laughs> but when you pointed that out, I was like, girl, you're onto something. And that's, yeah, you nailed it. Awesome. And this is, you know, like selfishly for me too. Um, this is a space where I can be vulnerable, which is something I need to work on. This is a unknown territory for me. It's getting me uncomfortable, which is really healthy for my growth. I've learned over the years and being an entrepreneur is lonely and I'm, I'm missing the partnership um, that I used to have with my co-regionals and GMs. And I miss working with teams and uh, I'm so happy that we've been able to connect and very much looking forward to this partnership and collaboration with you. Thank you. Yeah. Right back at you. Um, all right. To bring it all home, if people, not that we have to reduce it to just one thing, uh, you're never limited to just one with me, but if you really had to bottom line, you, your background, what it is you do, what's something that you really want people to take away and keep in mind about you moving forward after they listen to this interview with you. That I am always cheering you on in the restaurant space. I see how hard restaurant managers and leaders and owners work behind the scenes. And I know everything it takes to run a successful restaurant and anything that, that they need. I am here. Beautiful. All right. I think that'll do it for part one. So that was our interview with one of our co-hosts, Kristen Marvin with Solutions by Kristen. And you can expect an interview with me, Nick Spinelli. In part two, we are going to switch those figurative hats that we're wearing. And Kristen's going to ask me a little bit about my background. We will see you on the other side. Thanks, everybody.